Hey folks, it's your host Victor, and today's episode one of Here to Stay podcast. That's right, we've officially started. Now, I'm kind of nervous and excited because this kind of thing's relatively new to me, but with you listeners here, I know that the conversations we're about to have are going to be really, really meaningful, and things like that are what lead to positive change. So let's get the ball rolling. Here. Really here. So how did it start? Now, I think the premise of this podcast was to really just look at every topic within pop culture and politics and offer a BIPOC perspective on all of it because that's missing from a lot of different spaces. Everything that I'm going to talk about on this podcast relates to our friends, family, loved ones and affects a lot of different people in the world in some type of way and for that it really needs to be looked at so in order to truly try and carve out space for BIPOC individuals to really have a voice I'm here I'm here and I've made it such that that space is always open to having folks express what it is they're feeling about any and every topic. So, if you've listened to the trailer already, you'll know that I'm going to be publishing new episodes bi-weekly, and this sort of venture is something that's totally new for me. When I talk about wanting to carve out a space where BIPOC folks can really, really have a voice and where that voice is not only welcome but encouraged to speak and feel protected, I'd say the birth of Here to Stay was last June, at least unofficially. Last spring, heading into the summer, I'm sure you listeners are very aware of the high-profile events in the U.S., namely the murder of Ahmaud Arbery, and the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd at the hands of the police. And honestly, that disrupted my mental health significantly. It wasn't until I sat down and kept it a buck with my best friend Duke that I saw just how much it was affecting me. So I decided at that point that I just really need to make things my own, and that at least on social media, I'd need to carve out a space where I could just be authentically me and I could help others follow suit. I decided that moving forward, I'd be a lot more intentional about how I use my platform on and off social media. Just really make it my own. That was around the time when I had started a community page on Instagram called The Wall of Excellence. And I invited a lot of black folks to just share their story so that we'd have ownership over our own narrative because it's ours and ours alone, you feel? By doing all this, I was helping, but at the same time, I felt like something was missing. I just couldn't put a finger on it, what exactly, but after an anxiety episode that happened later on, I had a conversation with my sister because she's 
one person that I turn to when I'm feeling really, really anxious about things. And I just had an open conversation with her about the idea of having conversations and possibly starting and hosting a podcast. And she told me to go for it. She's like, Vic, I know you feel anxious, but just go for it. And I know that's easier said than done, but if you just sit in the discomfort just a little bit more each day, you're going to really step outside what you're used to doing and make that space. So if I'm being completely honest, without that conversation with my sister, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you guys. And I'd probably just be navigating how to use my voice in other ways. So that's what made me start this podcast for real, for real. And starting a podcast is one thing, but knowing what to talk about is another thing too. So what am I really going to be covering or having conversations about? And the simple answer to that is a lot of different things. But the way things are going, I have a few directions I want to travel in. I want to talk about Black Lives Matter and raise awareness for issues concerning the BIPOC community. I want to continue to advocate for awareness surrounding mental health. I want to draw attention to just how pervasive systemic racism is. And finally, just have a segment on pop culture. And all of what I've mentioned, specifically the advocacy aspect, is super important. Because advocacy isn't just for when the media is covering something or when it's trending or fashionable. It's got to be part of our daily discourse. And by it being part of our daily discourse, that's the only way that we can create long-lasting change. Because, again, having conversations about things that you and I are not so comfortable discussing, they're important. Because sitting in that discomfort just for a little bit more each and every day, that's how you get comfortable with change. You know? Just be comfortable being uncomfortable. That's what I stand for. Bringing you perspectives from communities that need to be heard. On today's episode of Here to Stay, we're going to be delving into the idea of shared solidarity. The phrases, I've been there too, or I know how you feel, are pretty common ways of going about expressing that we understand what other people are feeling. In fact, Having had the same experiences as someone else are usually seen as a prerequisite in order to truly understand or appreciate the magnitude or scale of what someone else is going through emotionally speaking. However, I've always wondered, is this actually true? Is it actually helpful to have been there too in order to truly understand how a person feels? See. I opened up this question to my followers on Instagram, and I got a variety of responses, but two really stood out to me. And the first one said that, no, you really don't need to have had a similar emotional experience in order to be empathetic because we're human, and empathy 
is an innate human trait. So by that, we just need to be human. So that's the first one. And the second one was, yeah, you can't be empathetic unless you've had a similar emotional experience. Otherwise, the nature of what that other person's gone through, you won't be able to level with. So the way I see things, empathy is beautiful. It's the foundation of intimacy and close connections, so much so that when it's not there, relationships or anything of that nature, they become really dry and shallow, you know? Without empathy, I could work with you or you could work with me or you could live with me for that matter and we'd remain as clueless about our inner selves and what we're feeling as though we were a bunch of strangers that were lumped together on a crowded subway car. My point is, empathy isn't just the fuel that's required for intimacy or closeness. Rather, it's also what's needed in order to truly help us put the brakes on when we're behaving badly and just overall become a lot more aware of the pain that we're causing. Now, I've got a story that I want to share with you guys that'll hopefully let you think about empathy. And it goes like this. A farmer, he had some puppies that he needed to sell. One day, he was painting a sign just advertising the sale of these puppies, and he went outside to start nailing that sign to the signboard on the edge of his yard. And as he was driving the last nail into the post, he felt a slight tug on his overalls. He looked down into the eyes of a little girl. Mister, she said, I'd like to get one of the puppies that you were selling. So the farmer wiped the sweat off his brow and told the little girl that the puppies came from fine parents and cost quite a bit of money that he's not too sure she has. But to that, the little girl reached into her pocket and gave him a handful of change. So the farmer just let out a big whistle and out from the doghouse and down the ramp came running four little balls of fur. The little girl walked over to the fence and pressed her face against it and her eyes danced with delight. You know, the dogs were making their way towards her and she noticed something else off in the distance. You see, back at the doghouse, there was another little ball of fur that just appeared. This one was noticeably smaller than the rest. It slid down the ramp, and in somewhat of an awkward manner, the littlest pup began hobbling towards the others, just doing its best to catch up. And as soon as she saw that one, something inside her just shifted. She's like, I want that one. That one. But the farmer just knelt down so that he was at the same level as the girl, and he, he looked at her, and he was like, I just don't think you want that puppy, believe me. It'll never be able to run and play with you like those other dogs could. So when she heard that, she kind of recoiled and just stepped back. And she rolled up one leg of her trousers. And in doing so, she revealed a steel brace that ran down both sides of her leg, attaching itself to a specially made shoe. And looking back at the farmer, she said, you see, sir, I don't run too well myself, 
And looking at the puppy, he'll need someone who understands. And with tears in his eyes, the farmer just reached down, picked up that little pup, and handed, handed him over to her, free of charge. Now, empathy is definitely a learned behavior, even though the capacity for it is inborn. But more importantly, why did I share this story with you? What does a story of a little girl wanting a puppy have to do with anything? Or what does it have to do with what I'm talking about today? Well, the answer is pretty obvious. Empathy. But what's so important about empathy? And isn't empathy a bit of a broad topic? Well, it most definitely is, but it's still totally relevant. Because as humans, we draw from distinct histories because we're different yet similar. But the capacity of standing in solidarity with one another when acts of injustice are seen or felt are totally possible because, again, we're human. Shared solidarity always has to be there. And all that means is that, yes, we're different, but those differences shouldn't stop us from bridging the divides that are ever-present. Divides, especially the racial ones, call for people from different arenas, from those that are being oppressed, to really practice something called radical empathy. That is why I share the story. To sort of get you into the frame of thinking that gives you the ability to appreciate what exactly radical empathy is. And even if it doesn't get you into that frame of thinking, I'm still going to go over it. So... Just wait a bit. Now, practicing empathy requires six steps. First of all, we need to allow ourselves to be vulnerable. So I want you to take a good look at yourself and just honestly assess the way that structural racism impacts each and every one of you, right? And assess how it manifests itself in your daily actions. Secondly, become grounded in who you are. Focus on your truth, because by focusing on the truth of who you are, it becomes a lot easier to really be open to the ways that societal forces not only impact you, but other people. Third, I want you to open yourself to the experiences of others, because in order to truly have empathy, we need to be willing to really consider that other people have experiences that are completely different from the ones that we experience. However, we just have to be doubly intentional about trying to understand these differences. I can't stress this enough. When something's no longer trending, that's when we have to find it within ourselves to just stay consistent in our willingness to learn and listen. Next, we've got to just wait for it. Practice empathy. We have to be intentional about working at seeing where these differences are coming from and just 
being able to see things from someone else's perspective. Fifthly, I want you just to take action. And action comes in many different forms, right? But just look within and examine your actions and ask yourself, what can I do specifically just to really see what what causes the divides, right? Even if they aren't so obvious to the naked eye. Because divides, even though they might not be so obvious, they definitely exist. Also, start looking at your actions and those with whom you connect with and just think about, hey, how can I show kindness, you know? And finally, create change and build trust. This one's super important, and I sort of left it for last because I'm not saying that any of the other ones that I mentioned aren't important, but just a lot of the time, I see that people get motivated to do something or advocate for something that's right while it's trending, but when it's no longer trending, they get dissuaded. And I can't, like, I can't say that I'm different because definitely there is fatigue that comes from this, but find ways to keep yourself motivated. You feel? Getting comfortable, being uncomfortable, and stepping outside our comfort zones in this fight for justice is the only way to create change. As soon as we step outside ourselves, or we become just even the slightest bit more intentional about practicing empathy, the conversation shifts from doing everything for me to doing things for us. It becomes centered on the collective. Now, the idea of the collective is and has always been a way of thinking, and thinking of the collective is truly important to moving things forward in the right direction. Now, when I open the conversation today, sort of talking about empathy, the goal was like bifold, right? But you'll you'll figure this out after listening to me for a long period of time that damn, there really is a method to this guy's madness. Right? I just wanted to ready all you listeners and get you into the right frame of thinking when it came to issues that really face the BIPOC community, not only in Canada, but across the globe, right? Because BIPOC awareness and just moving the needle to where it needs to be only happens when we start thinking outside ourselves or we start thinking about the collective good, right? And I'm sure you're wondering, why is the collective important? And to really answer that, all I have to say is just look at the idea of socially distancing, right? I know that this pandemic hasn't been easy on any of us because we all miss, miss our friends, family, those we can't see on the regular. But again, I ask, why do you socially distance? I sure as hell know exactly why I do, and that's largely because I don't want to unwittingly pass something along to someone else. And also, there's been an extensive guidance from healthcare experts that this would help curb the spread of COVID-19. And obviously, 
I know I have to because it's right and there's a greater reason at hand. But obviously, it's so much more than that. And from what I can gather, you guys definitely think uh, in a similar way. We socially distance because we understand that our fates are intertwined. And by tending to the most vulnerable, there are so many lives that can be saved. Now, I want you to think that this logic pattern, you know, it has to be applied to the notion of anti-black and anti-indigenous racism, as well as police brutality that's reverberated across the entire globe. This is because BIPOC folks, not only in Canada, but across the globe, they share in the experience of social exclusion and a lack of access to equitable healthcare. And obviously, that needs to change. This past year, we've been all dealing with COVID-19 and this public health crisis has alerted us to the opportunities that become a lot more available, especially when we start thinking about the collective. In any struggle for freedom, my problem is your problem. And Dr. Martin Luther King put it perfectly. No one is free until we're all free. And this, this holds water for human rights and public health. COVID-19 is a pandemic, and so is racism. While the media coverage of Black Lives Matter and Indigenous issues continues to die down, it's absolutely imperative that we continue to practice empathy and look outside ourselves. We've got to use the knowledge that we accrue on the daily and really address the wrongdoings that our Indigenous brothers and sisters continue to face. It's high time that we rectify the damage that's being done because if you look at the environmental front, for example, its impact on the health outcomes of our Indigenous brothers and sisters is huge and it's detrimental to their well-being. And what hurts you hurts me. We can't heal and we won't heal separately because it's obvious that we need to heal together. And part of healing is sharing in our experiences and gaining an appreciation for what someone else has gone through so that when we speak or when we do something, our actions and words align. And when our actions and words align, we can make meaningful strides towards change. And again, the goal of everything is to move towards positive change. Thinking about the collective just happens when we practice radical empathy. And again, while our histories are different, our solidarity is shared. As that person responded on my Instagram poll, we're human, so we're capable of practicing empathy. We've got to continue to lay the groundwork for a more inclusive society because I don't know about you, but I want those that come after me to inherit a better world. And that's only going to happen if you and I, we sit in the discomfort and have conversations like this. So my charge to anyone who's listening today 
is just be even the slightest bit more intentional about how you go about practicing empathy. Be intentional about wanting to recognize that you and I, yes, we may come from different arenas, but let's be honest about where we belong and what belonging in certain arenas confers to each of us. Remember, empathy isn't just an engine for closeness, because it's also what helps us become more aware of the pain that we're causing, or if we're behaving badly. So, if our goal is to think of the collective, then we just have to be a lot more woke, you know? We've got to understand the plight of our BIPOC brothers and sisters, and empathy is really important in that understanding, or gaining that understanding. By having race discussions, we move forward. So even if you don't start them today, start them soon, because we need to have them. Compassion is the key to change. And if you're having a hard time associating with any of the struggles of the BIPOC community, don't look at it as something that's about you. Because that's only going to further dissuade you from doing something or using your voice. So just use that as an opportunity to listen, right? And just be supportive by helping to amplify the voices of the marginalized. And you can do a plethora of different things like supporting Black-owned and Indigenous-run businesses, donating to verified charities that actually put money back into those communities or take steps to really lift up those communities, right? Because it's ultimately up to you whether or not you give up after a struggle or if you decide to be more caring or gentler in how you go about approaching these issues. So, I'm pleading with you. If you have ears, listen. Practice empathy so that we can share solidarity, even though our histories might be distinct. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you for tuning in. And if you haven't already, definitely follow Here to Stay Podcast on Instagram at Here to Stay Pod, just to keep up to date with what's happening.